In the name of the living God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. You may be seated. Good morning, everybody. Today we're going to be looking at one word, one beautiful truth from the scriptures, particularly the gospel reading. The word is advocate. Jesus says, God is going to send you an advocate, another advocate like me, but distinct. What's, what's an advocate? Why, why do Christians need an advocate in the world? Other translations, instead of the word advocate, use words like uh, the helper. I'm going to send you a divine helper, a comforter, another way of saying it. Advocates come alongside. They serve. They lift up another. They empower another. They speak for those whose voices wouldn't otherwise be heard. They represent those who may not be able to adequately represent themselves. We've all needed an advocate at one point or another in our lives, whether we realize it or not, sometimes in serious ways and sometimes in not so serious ways. For example, Lucy, my four-year-old, decided that uh, recently she did not need the advocacy of her mom and dad at the restaurant we were, we were eating at when, four years old, out of hunger and desperation, she took matters into her own hands and asked the waitress, when, when, the, when, when the waiter came up to, to check on us, Lucy just said, hey lady, where's our food? She did not need an advocate that day. She did not need someone to speak for her. But spiritually speaking, we do. We do need an advocate. We do need help. We do need assistance. We do need comfort. We need someone divine, someone not found on this earth to give us assistance. This is our focus in John chapter 14, you and I need an advocate, that's part one, and part two, God supplies that advocate in the person of the Holy Spirit. So if you have if your Bibles, turn to John 13 and 14 in the New Testament. In the Blue Pew Bible, it's page 82 and 83. I say John 13 and 14 because you'll want to pick up on the context, the, what, what's happening Our gospel passage today is a part of a a larger story, a a larger moment in John's gospel where you might remember Jesus is gathered with his disciples uh, around Passover table. This is the night in John 13 and 14 of the Last Supper. Think back just a number of weeks ago to Maundy Thursday. That's the setting for our gospel reading. It's, it's, it's interesting because today you'll notice our passages from all the scriptures sort of um, are preparing us now in this Easter tide season for the coming of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. Preparing us. We're beginning to think about what is, what is life after the resurrection of Jesus look like in the church? We're filled with this new power, this new spirit that God sends us, our advocate. 
And, but it's like, it's like uh, because we're going backwards into Monday Thursday, it's almost like the camera in the movie. Right before we get to this big moment where the Spirit comes, the camera takes us back to this one night where just to help us understand what's about to happen when the Spirit comes, we have to remember this very important conversation that happened around Passover table. And so we are taken back to Maundy Thursday, and Jesus now here in John 13 is, well, lots of stuff is happening. Notice if you just scan through chapter 13 with me, if you've got the text open. Jesus and the disciples are gathered in the room, Passover table. Jesus suddenly gets up and begins to wash their feet. And then he announces Judas's betrayal, and Judas runs out. I mean, this is like an eventful dinner, okay? And then... In John's, uh, in John's telling of the story, on the words of, uh, on the lips of Jesus, John, John gives him this statement. Right after Judas runs out, and when Judas had gone out, Jesus said, now is the Son of Man glorified. So this is a tense moment full of uh, action and energy. Lots of stuff is happening. There's a big change coming for the disciples. Something's going to be different. Now is the Son of Man glorified. And then he starts to say things like this. Little children, yet a little while I'll be with you. And remember, then he gives him the new commandment. Here's a new commandment I give you. Peter says, whoa, 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 Jesus, where are you going? Jesus says, where I'm going, you can't come right now. And that brings us right up to John chapter 14, verse 1, when Jesus says this, let not your hearts be troubled. This is important for us in our spiritual life to capture the essence of what's going on, the emotional temperature and mood between Jesus and his disciples in this moment. Because friends, right here, they are, we can only imagine, afraid. Afraid. They are scared. When we come to our passage today and we hear Jesus say, from our verses, I will not leave you orphaned. We now know why he's saying that. We can imagine what the disciples are feeling. They're afraid, they're uncertain, they're confused, even angry. I mean, they've just been betrayed too by Judas. And Jesus is talking about leaving. Perhaps they're feeling desperate. This man they've committed their life to, it's like is he abandoning us? What's, what's happening? Now is the Son of Man glorified. Whoa, 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 what is going on? We're about to be left alone. They must be thinking. We're about to be orphaned. We're about to be abandoned by this person we've given our life to. Imagine their emotional state. Have you ever caught a glimpse of the face of a child in a crowd who is like tying her shoe and she looks up and for a few heart-stopping seconds, you're looking on just, just in people watching, you see the child and the child stands up and looks around and cannot find mom and dad. What's, what, what's, the, what's the expression on that little girl's face? Sheer what? Panic, terror. I am horrified. I am disoriented. I'm lost. I imagine Jesus looking into the minds and hearts of his disciples, and the word he sees in all of their minds is orphaned, desolate, alone. 
abandoned. And so he speaks to that. You will not be orphaned. I will not leave you orphaned. No doubt some of you right now are bristling every time you hear the word orphan because you lived that story growing up. Some of you had parents around and still felt orphaned without guidance, without assistance, without support, without consolation, without help, without solace when you needed to be comforted. Friends, stories of people living through that felt absence of God, that moment of we've come up from tying our shoe, we look around and it's like God is gone. That story is everywhere, scattered in the pages of scripture. Think all the way back to the beginning. The people of Israel in Egypt alone. Who, I won't quiz you and ask you who did God send to be their advocate, but think about Jonah in the belly of the well. Think about Job in the midst of his suffering. Israel, once again, later in the story, now they're held captive in Babylon, right? Stories of people living through this felt absence of God. God, have you orphaned us? What, what, what's happening? I remember the first time I experienced Maundy Thursday here at the cathedral at the very end of the service, and I was unfamiliar with the liturgy, and I saw the altar guild begin to take everything off of around the altar, and every book, every note, every pen and pencil gone, and by the end of it, uh, there was in me a visceral sense of, Jesus, please don't, Jesus, did you just leave? Are you gone? Um, and it was like my mind started just going back through, oh my goodness, what would this life, what would my life be like if Jesus weren't here? Or if Jesus left and he wasn't coming back? So can you get, friends, can you right now, don't turn away from that sense of orphaned. Because we've all been there, we've all felt it, and in your heart somewhere there is that sense that you felt orphaned from God. You can't be a Christian and not have had that experience according to all the, 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 the paradigm of every character in the Bible. So don't turn away from that right now. Lean into that fear. Lean into that, uh, that, that, that panic, that terror even, because it's right in this place for you that Jesus wants to speak today. And from our passage, here's part two, he says, I will not leave you orphaned. I will send you an advocate. So where and how, where and how in your life, friend, do you need to know the presence, power, and person of God, that God is with you? God is with you. Think about the whole story of the Gospel of John. Remember at Christmas time, we read uh, John's Gospel, and there's that famous verse that uh, it just screams like Christmas Day incarnation. God has come. Remember? Um, and the Word became flesh, and what? Everybody together. And the Word became flesh, and yes, dwelt among us. So why here, 14 chapters later, would all of a sudden... God be abandoning us. Like John's gospel doesn't make sense if truly Jesus is about to leave them as orphans. The whole story falls apart. No, actually it's, it's, it's even God's coming now even closer. God sends Jesus and now Jesus and God send the spirit. It's not just with you, but in you. 
That's how close God is. That's where your advocate is, filling you, dwelling in you, abiding in you. It's even better now. You get Jesus and you get the Spirit of God. So where do you need an advocate? Like I'm thinking of those of us who are um, growing and learning and reading books and listening to podcasts and the social issues and questions and intellectual debates that are happening right now all around us in culture, for some of us, they've left us feeling quite uncertain. They've filled us with doubts. They've left us scratching our heads intellectually like we need a wisdom that no book seems to offer right now or magazine or podcast or talking head. Friends, if that's you, you have an advocate. Jesus says, verse 17 of chapter 14 from our passage today, this is the spirit of truth. By the way, this truthful advocate is one whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. It's like the Holy Spirit cannot be bought or pinned down or exploited, used for some silly temporary agenda. This is a eternal, this is an eternal truth. Your advocate transcends all of this. You have an advocate. You have an advocate. A few verses later, 26 is not in our passage, but you can find it if you want. Jesus again says to them, the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything and remind you of all that I've told you. Are you confused lately? Are you doubting? Are you wrestling with heavy questions? Do you need an intellectual advocate? You have one in the Holy Spirit, Jesus says. Have you suffered loss recently? Have you felt the impermanence of a broken world? Like you're wondering why you can't even keep plants alive. It's, you feel it that deeply. For you, friend, Jesus says you have an advocate. God is with you in that. Jesus says, verse 16, of this advocate, he'll be with you forever. Verse 17, this advocate abides with you and is in you. Nothing lasts forever, you say, but the Holy Spirit, your advocate does. Your assistance, your divine helper is with you. You have an advocate. Have you experienced relational conflict, family or friends or romance, trouble in your life and friendships and relationships? And have you thought, you know, is there any relationship I can have that won't let me down in the end? Jesus says, guess what? You have an advocate. Verse 20, on that day, you will know that I am in my father and you in me and I in you. It's like Jesus is saying, I'm going to enfold you into the very life and community that is the Trinitarian God. You get enfolded in. You have an advocate, a relational advocate, an intellectual advocate, an eternal advocate. I have to just mention, uh, for so, some of us, always find it hard to, to pray, don't know what to say, even when times are hard. Is we, 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 we're grateful to God for the prayer book, for that, for that matter. It gives us words. But maybe you're having trouble praying. Listen to this from a different part of Scripture, Romans 8. Paul says, you have an advocate too, even if you don't know how to pray. 
Likewise, Paul says, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we don't know how to pray as we ought, but that very Spirit intercedes, advocates for us with groanings too deep for words. So just be you. Take yourself to God. Be silent. God, I'm trying to pray. Spirit, help me. I need help. All I got is groans, silence, tears. You have an advocate, whatever your need is. I close with this story. Um, I, I am thinking about how, um, you know, in also through this passage, Jesus connects over and over again having an advocate with loving obedience. Loving obedience. If you know me, how, how do you know that you know Jesus? How do you know that the advocate is close? Because you're following commandments. You're living a life that reflects this assistance. Mindy and I are expecting uh, a new child, um, which I'm sure you, you, you already know. And um, it, that child is due in uh, late August. So we are, we're, this is our third child and we feel like, well, now we're sure. We know less about parenting than we ever did before. So we're reading all the books again and I'm thinking of a particular book that's sort of lays about around our house that I keep picking up and trying to glean things from. I'm drawn to it. It talks about parenting from an attachment, uh, an attachment um, theoretical place. And that, what this means is this, that the book says, you know, how all children grow and develop and, and, and uh, move on out of the home into the world as healthy human beings on their own, they, they do so uh, only after they've been given a secure and stable, loving attachment environment. To the extent that they've had that, that's the, the health that they will theoretically reflect out in the world. So as the child grows and they move away from dependence on the attachment figure and the caregivers and all the love and warmth and resources that they've been given, they move towards greater freedom and, 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 um, and exploration and risk as life as an individual, right? So you see this at the playground. You're with your, your little one over by the bench and the little one grabs you and hugs you and eats a snack and then runs out to the swing set and plays a while and then runs back and gets a little bit more like, can I do this? Can I live? Can I try? Can I grow? And then they run back out and they run back into home base and get some. Do you know what I'm saying? It's home base, explore. Home base, explore. We think of children as leaving home or leaving mom and dad, but it's actually not that way. And I'm cautious right now that it's Mother's Day and some of you are looking at seniors leaving and there's about to be a puddle of tears, so I'll, I'll get through this really fast. Um, but as your senior leaves, they're not actually, in another sense, they're not, they're not actually leaving. The book says, you know, it's not really like the child is on their own or the parent is left alone because in in a way, if there's been good attachment, good, solid, sturdy environment, that mom and dad is now inside of that child's head and heart. That kid has internalized all that warmth and love and resource and is now living out in the playground and risking uh, only by the help and empowerment of what they've been given at home. You see how that works? from attachment to exploration. I think we're reading in this story, the beginning of Jesus saying, listen, disciples, as the infant New Testament church, you're about to run out onto the playground in Acts, 
You're, I'm about to leave you to your own devices out here in the swing set, and, and, but, but I'm still going to be with you. And actually, I'm going to be with you in a new way, in a better way, even than I have been, because I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit, and he will be inside of your head and heart. I know that's not a one-to-one, but when I think of us now walking out the doors, remember the dismissal from one of, from the uh, prayer book where the deacon says, go forth in the power of who? The Holy Spirit. Go forth in the power of the Holy Spirit. You have attached yourself to Jesus. There is resource here. You, your cup has been filled. Your belly has been filled, spiritually nourished. Now go out into the world. Go out into God's playground and live God's law. Live it. You know it now. It's inside of you. Go live it. So friends, this week, in whatever way you need to hear this, would you allow this gospel reading to be on your head, in your head and on your heart, hearing Jesus say to you, you have an advocate. You have an advocate. Amen.